am Nancy Lynn Westfield, Director of the Wabash Center. Thank you for joining me for this selected reading. This original blog and all my blogs can be found on the website of the Wabash Center for Teaching and Learning in Theology and Religion. This audio blog is entitled, Seeing the Possibility in Students. One day, my father asked my brother and me why we had stopped roller skating. In those days, roller skates were constructed out of skin-bruising, abrasive metal. The design of the skates required a metal key. By turning the metal key, the skate adjusted by lengthening or widening to fit the child's sneakers. Once the adjusted metal clamps were tightened on the shoe, the leather strap was buckled around the ankle. Even with the key and the straps, never was the fit precise. Notoriously and painfully, the metal skates would fly off of the foot in mid-skate, thus hurling the skater into walls, into trees, into parked cars. Or in full and ill-fitting skate, simply tripped up the skater and you landed on the concrete sidewalk, sometimes face first. Skating was more dangerous than it was fun. We told dad we stopped skating because the skates did not work well. We told him that we kept falling off. We told him we were tired of getting hurt. With this conversation, my brother and I were hoping for new skates, the kind that were the all-in-one with the attached shoe. These better skates had a rubber attachment on the toe to help the skaters slow down. I wanted the white skates and my brother wanted the black skates. My dad saw other possibilities. I do not remember if it was hours, days, or weeks after the initial conversation about the underused skates that my dad redesigned our toys. The next time Brent and I saw our skates, dad had turned them into scooters. Dad dismantled the skates, used found items in our basement, and with his own ingenuity, he designed the skates. Dad had three scooters. One scooter had a metal milk crate as its console, at was low to the ground and meant to be ridden on one knee. The other two were ridden while standing up, one with a wooden handlebar to grip while attempting jumps or fishtailing. The third scooter was more like a modified skateboard that required excellent balance. All the scooters had metal wheels, no key or leather straps were needed. My brother and I, plus all the kids in our neighborhood, played with those scooters for years and years. As I look back, my dad's nurturing of possibility was quite remarkable. My dad had a thing about wheels for children. Dad believed children should be able to go. They should be able to travel, to have adventures, to explore, to see what there was to see. For dad, wheels were a way for children to experience the world with imagination and possibility. Dad thought children should be in motion. He thought a kid's impulse to go should be kindled and honored. The rule in our house was that once your feet could touch the brake and the gas pedals and you could see over the steering wheel, you could drive the car. My brother and I started driving when we were ages 10 and 11, respectively. Dad's ethic of go did not stop with his parenting, but was part of his vocational sensibilities. Dad was a school psychologist, special education teacher and reading specialist. He was, for more than 30 years, employed by the Philadelphia public school system. At his retirement party, I heard his coworkers tell story after story after story of the ways my father rescued children from incorrect placements in remedial education classes. Countless times when other psychologists 
would deem that a child had no possibility to learn, no possibility to learn to read, no possibility to excel in learning. Dad saw possibility in that child. My father retested children who other colleagues had previously tested. Often his report would be that the child had a higher IQ or fewer learning obstacles than previously diagnosed. My father was regularly called as an expert witness in family court to dispute the misdiagnoses and the misplacement of children in private education systems. My father was an advocate for children because he could see them. Dad was known by his colleagues to be able to see the possibility even in the most dulled child. I am not saying that my dad was optimistic or hopeful or even cheerful. Most days he was none of these things. My dad modeled for our family and gave the children he worked with in the public schools something much more substantive. My dad was imaginative. He could see possibility in skates and in children. He could see children labeled as retarded and learning disabled as being productive, normal, healthy, contributing members of our community with value, worth, and dignity. An unwritten responsibility of teaching is to see the possibility in students that they cannot see in themselves. Seeing the possibility in students is not a mystical gift reserved only for a few intuitive teachers. Seeing the possibility in students is about thinking of options, designing opportunities, engineering alternatives, redesigning what is offered, resisting rules that would stymie and oppress and setting people in motion. It is about providing wheels and the permission to go. Seeing the possibility in students is about looking at the student, then looking beyond the student, knowing the wheels you provide are taking them into their future and into that future that they must go. And a special thanks to Dr. Paul Myrie. Paul is Senior Associate Director of Wabash Center, composer of the music which frames this audio blog and is our sound engineer. Thanks to Rachel Mills, my audio blog producer. The Wabash Center is fully funded by Lilly Endowment Incorporated. This is Nancy Lynn Westfield, and I'm just saying. <laughs>